Hey, you are listening to the Grumpy Guy BJJ podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Got to take care of a few things before we jump into this week's episode. First, our ramping isometrics for BJJ program. It is a 12-week program all laid out for you. It's going to help you build strength and cardio in the fastest, safest, and most convenient way possible. This is how James and I have been training for the past year, and we love it. So we put this program together so you can just follow along, and we are certain you will see and feel the benefits that we do. It's only 15 bucks. Just go to GrumpyGuyBJJ.com, click the drop-down menu in the upper right-hand corner, and you'll find it. Next, R3. Is this is our K2 D3 supplement. It is a combination combination of those two vitamins D3 and K2. These are two vitamins that James and I have been taking for a long time that really help us recover from hard training sessions. And for only 15 bucks with free shipping, you get a whole month supply. I was going to pull up some studies explaining the benefits of D3 and K2, but I'm not going to insult your intelligence and pretend to be a fucking scientist. I take it it helps me recover. That's it. So for 15 bucks, check it out. And last but certainly not least, we have partnered up with Dejitsu.com. They have a ton of awesome BJJ instructionals, and they have hooked us up with a discount code for our listeners. It's Grumpy10. So what you got to do is you go to Dejitsu.com, which is D-I-G-I-T-S-U.com. Find the instructionals you want, throw them in a shopping cart, in the little discount code box, you type in Grumpy10, which is just G-R-U-M-P-Y, and the number 10, one zero. That's it. No spaces. Boom. You get 10% off. You're up and running. They got a nice app you can download on your phone. That way you can take your instructions right to the gym with you, watch the technique, drill it. It's a pretty sweet setup. So once again, D-I-G-I-T-S-U.com, discount code Grumpy10, G-R-U-M-P-Y, one zero. Simple as that. To find all this stuff I just got done talking about, go to our website, grumpyguybjj.com. Click the drop-down menu in the upper right-hand corner. There, you'll subscribe to our newsletter for podcast updates. You'll find links for the Ramping ISOs program, the R3 Recovery Supplement, and then under the Programs and Products tab, you'll find a link to dejitsu.com. And let's be honest, if you guys can't figure out how to navigate a website by now, there's nothing I can do to help you. So quit fucking around. Check it out, train hard, and let's get into this week's episode. And boom, back again. Once again. Once again. All right. So Friday morning. Kind of on route. Yeah. Right, it is Friday. Friday it is Friday. Friday afternoon. Yeah, I didn't have uh, Shiloh's track this morning because she's got school, so we got she's got to be there at nine forty for band. She's got two classes that she's taking over at the at the school this year. So that mythology, and uh, so anyways, yeah, it didn't work out. So I woke up this morning and I was like, damn, I don't have anywhere to be or anything to do for the first time, and since I can remember for a while, it's been a busy last few weeks. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I always got it. Sun like Sunday, I got get up, go for a ride with Kiele. Monday, I guess Monday's open. Tuesday morning, I got a workout that that I do uh, with some people. Wednesday, I try to go ride. Thursday's a mace run. Friday, I was doing track with Shiloh. Saturday, I guess I could sleep in Saturday, but we got grumpy guy and all that shit at like 11, three hours of jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And then you're back to Sunday. 
Going for Riley Kiele. <laughs> it all starts again. It all starts again. Yeah, I tell you, it's weird around here, man. Like, Shiloh's at school, Z's at school. Yeah. It's quiet. Yeah, when you first got here. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, Kiele was with Ariah, with, yeah. with Aka. It was literally just me here. Yeah. Which, I know, when everybody left, when Shiloh went to school, and I was like, damn, like, I'm, it's me and Snakey. <laughs> I don't know, it's not, not often it's, the house is that deserted. It's kind of weird. Speaking of, of uh, yeah, being deserted from people being back here. So see if Aka's gonna be able to stay. If he'll behave, he might be uh, like freak out and get banished. Yep. Get exiled from the podcast rooms. Yep. Yep. What's up, Aka? <laughs> we'll give him a second. Maybe he'll sober. Okay. I don't have any patience for his shit. Nope. <laughs> Alright, that's enough. Come on. Oh, we tried. Buddy. Go we simmer tried. somewhere else. Settle down. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, he just got back from a ride, so he's all fired up. And then you're here smelling like your dogs. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he just gets them all fired up. He gets fired up, man. Yeah, which is weird. He's usually a really mellow dog, but like. Whenever I'm around, he gets pretty fired up. Yeah, if, when he gets like going, he gets going. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, then he releases the energy, and then he's good. Mm-hmm. So. Anyways, all right. Anyways, here we are. Once again, I had some shit I was going to tell you about. Oh, I had an email from a guy I was going to tell you about a couple weeks ago, but I kept forgetting. And uh, so, you know, Bike James gets a lot of emails. Actually, this reminds me. I told Kelly one one day, one week, I want you to come over and hang out while I answer questions. (laughs) I just want you to get a picture of like... Like what I, you know, on a weekly basis, like the kind of questions and the weird shit that people ask Bike James, come to Bike James for advice for. And, uh, but anyways, one of these guys, um, his question was about strength training and bone density Mm -hmm. and how heavy weights and heavy strength training helps increase your bone density. And that he was a big fan of this because he's an undercover cop and he had been shot in the arm and his extra bone density allowed the fucking shell to like the bullet to ricochet off his arm or something like didn't shatter his fucking uh, bone. So he's basically like, I'm using strength training to literally armor proof my body like I'm able to take a fucking 45 <laughs> slug better to the bicep because of doing curls. because of fucking strength training like heavy strength training and like the bone density thing and he's said I got another buddy that got shot in the leg and same thing man like his you know doctor said that his lecture from the bone density from the strength training you know help minimize the damage to the femur and I was just like dude these guys are fucking madmen <laughs> right I've never, when I've always listed off the benefits of strength training to potential clients, the ability to shrug off a bullet easier. It's never been one of them. It's not been one of them. Now you can add it. I can add it. If you ever find yourself in a situation where you've got to take a bullet, the extra bullet. Taking a bullet is a a very real possibility. Yeah. You definitely want that extra armor that the muscle and 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 the bone density provides. You don't want to be a skinny piece of shit taking a fucking slug, dude. Generally sure. being stronger lifting weights is just gonna be better all around. All around, all, all around. around. But it was That's uh, pretty funny. But so but his question was he was worried that he might be losing some of that benefit because he had been uh suffered some injuries. Surprise, surprise. 
and uh, was needing to back off a little bit and wasn't able to like, you know, power lift his, uh, quite as hard as he was used to. And so he was afraid that he was going to lose some of this um, extra bulletproofing benefit from too much, yeah, from, you know, not, uh, not enough heavy lifting, heavy strength training. So he actually was doing one of my programs, like my ultimate MTB workout program. And uh, the first couple phases are, I mean, I refer to them as like functional movement. And I get this question a lot from people because if you judge the program based on phase one and two, you can be like, what is this shit? This looks too easy. And it's like, no, 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 dude. Look at like phase, you know, like the end of the program. Like you're lifting weights, you're doing shit. But you, we just need to lay this foundation. And inevitably, you know, people, because a lot of people have never taken the time to kind of work on quality movement like you know do a uh you know like a good functional movement focused program that's just it's movement quality more than how much you're moving and uh and then yeah but then they go back to lifting the regular weights and doing their regular lifts and it's uh they're lifting more you know and uh it's because you're addressing things that weren't that there were gaps there and that's kind of what i told him is like look yeah, heavy weights have benefits, but they also have drawbacks. And there's benefits to, you know, kind of lighter phases. It's the basic accumulation and intensification. Like that's the most basic periodization scheme in the world. It's uh, accumulation is high volume, which is going to dictate lower intensity. So three sets of 10, you know, bodybuilder type training. And then you have your intensification where you are doing your, your heavy, high-intense shit. And so if you're doing heavy loads, high-intense loads, you can't do as much volume, that, that inverse relationship there. And so you're, you know, five, three, two, and, or three sets of five, um, shit falls in there. And so just something as simple as alternating every, you know, four to six weeks, maybe eight weeks between those two uh, basic parameters is going to give you way more over the long run than just focusing on one all the time. All the time. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, that goes for everybody, including mad men trying to work for bulletproofing. Bullet yes. Um, so, it's yeah. So yeah, but that was my reply. But I, I thought it was just kind of, one, funny, but just something too good to, like, remind people that there's benefits to everything, but there's also drawbacks. And as soon as you start doing something... You're, it's like you're sitting, hitting a timer and it's uh, the, 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 um, you know, the time to benefit ratio like in, in stuff. And so eventually you reach a point of diminishing returns where you're just the amount of time you're putting in to this program isn't getting you the results because your body's adapted to it. And so now you've got to move to something else. But Yeah, and I think that's a, a really big lesson that gets lost on a lot of people. And, I, and I've... And I see how people fall into that trap because I've done it myself. And because it, it's super easy. Like, say you're training a certain way for a long time. Say you're a guy that just likes to train heavy, you know, three to five reps. And that, that's your jam. You do that for years. And then somebody comes along and finally talks you into doing a different type of training, whether, you know, quote unquote functional training or whatever, a lighter, lighter, more bodybuilding body style. style. Yeah. Well, you get awesome results for it. So then you're. All in on that. Then you're all in on that, and then you do that forever. Well, it's not necessarily that that was superior. It's just that it was different, and right. that's why it was so beneficial. It was a new stimulus that your body needed to adapt to, 
So you saw the changes. And I, I think a lot of people don't really, the lesson they learn from it is the incorrect one. They, they're like, oh, I just found a superior way of training and they just stick to that. It's not that it was different. Yeah. It's, and they missed the fact that it was because they periodized it. Like you changed it up. Like that's, yep. it, dude, it's taken me years to figure that out. But then you get, you get people who go the other way and they think like, oh, well, if I need to change my workout from time to time. Um, well, I need to change that motherfucker every day. Every day. Every day I come in needs to be different. And it's like, no, you need to, it's, that's that fine line. You need to do it long enough to get, uh, you know, to, to allow your body the chance to adapt to it and then change to something else. And so it's... Yeah, and I always say like four to six weeks. Yeah. No, it can depend. It can vary. Yeah. I mean, if you're a raw good. beginner, you can probably go as long as eight. Right. But if you've got a good training background, if you've been, you know, strength training for... You know, like, man, it's funny. Like strength training, I just realized like, because when you ask somebody, like, man, you know, what's your your strength training? It's basically, like, how long have you been lifting weights consistently? It's almost like jujitsu, right? Like, somebody tells you that they've been lifting weights for, like, two or three years. You're kind of like, dude, you still got a fucking lot to learn. Someone's like, dude, I've been under the iron for 10, 15, 20 years. Like, you know that motherfucker probably knows a thing or two. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, um, yeah, it's interesting. Like, that's a, that, that, that's a question, like, I ask people, like, you know, when they say they work out, it's like, oh yeah, what are you, man? Are you a fucking second degree blue belt at this shit? Where are we at? Second um, degree. <laughs> You're going to stick to it. You're going to make that Just thing for up. the podcast, man. <laughs> it's just the podcast thing. I want to hear you drop that in class. Just nonchalantly. <laughs> nonchalantly when Pimenta's there. Uh-huh. See if he picks up on it. <laughs> um, anyways, but... Uh, <clears throat> fuck, I forgot what I was saying. A blue belt joke. But, uh, Derailed you. Yeah. Anyways, or some periodize. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Change gotta, it up, man. You gotta, gotta, gotta have some fucking plan for it. Gotta have a plan. Not too much, not too little. Just right. That's what you need. So it's easier said than done, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, that's what I was saying. Yeah, strength training. If you got like, you know, five. If you're at least like a purple belt at strength training, if you got like you know five plus years under your belt of good consistent strength training, then yeah, you're probably gonna be closer to that four week end of the spectrum and uh even then like change i've talked about this before like you got four weeks and um it's interesting it's like ramping isometrics like when i when i took a step back it's like you know your your uh <clears throat> micro cycle is that what it is meso cycles the month yeah the micro cycles the week your macro cycles the year right not sure how it's yeah yeah, yeah i think so if i'm if i'm recalling my tutor bompa periodization correctly terminology terminology correctly but um yeah like within your micro cycle your week you want to have that or uh the i mean the the four weeks the macro muscle cycle whatever i'll stop trying to sound smart <laughs> within your four weeks you want to have like the first week be easy like 50 percent effort yeah. and then your second week should be moderately hard like 80 percent effort your last your third week is your go for it like your quote-unquote 100 percent and then week four, you want to back off and uh, lower the volume, lower the intensity just a bit, let the body rebound, and then do another one. You got to recover before the next one. And um, like I said, it's interesting when I made that connection of the ramping isometrics. It's like, oh, first 30 seconds, mm-hmm. easy. Next 30 seconds, you know, and so. And that's how I do it. <laughs> I, when I switch what I'm doing, that first week, it's kind of like a learning, feeling out process. Right. You go in with a plan and... And you feel it out. Like, okay, that part of the plan was good. Maybe this well, one you wasn't. doing something new as a stimulus. Right. 
Yep. So, so you, you don't have to go crazy with the weights no, and strength. no, and then so you get you get a feel for it that first week. Yep. Okay, this I can maintain this. I can't do this. You know whatever it is, and then the second week you're a little more comfortable. Yep. So then you you know push the boundaries a little bit more, and then yeah, that's that's about exactly what I do. Third week you go if you're gonna come close to failure, like doing like it's that third week, and then I see you know what I what I just did this most recently, and I think that's how I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it again this time is like this six week cycle, like I'm kind of feeling it out this week. And then basically, I just I fucking hit it hard for the next five weeks, and then that week in between, I use that as like, dude, I'm not lifting anything. I'm barely doing. I'm mobility, man. Like I just movement drills, just feeling good, not fucking lifting anything. Yeah. And then I started, and then that gives me time to kind of plan. Okay, let's this. What's this next one look like? I kind of like having instead of I don't know, like in my in my six week cycle, week one is feel out, week. Two through six is fucking hammer, <laughs> and then the seventh week is just chill, and then start it again. Yeah, so I kind of like that. I like, yeah, because I, I felt good after last week. I felt good taking that whole week off, man. I, I literally, I don't think I did a single pull up. That was probably the first week <laughs> in the past 20, 15 years of my life I haven't done a single pull up. <laughs> That's funny. It felt a little weird, but I yeah. just forced myself not to. It's good. Yeah, your body probably enjoyed it. It did. My lats enjoyed it. Yeah. Good. My back enjoyed it. That's good, man. <laughs> yeah, you got to build. Even, you know, I know you're saying like you're two through six, you're you're hammering it. Nah, but I'm... even then, you're, you're building momentum. Right. And that, that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's better to build momentum into your program. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be fitter than if you just go out week one and two and then go as hard as you can and you're fucking hanging on with your fingernails you know, just gritting it out those last few weeks. Like, that is not... not doing yourself any good. No, 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 no. digging a hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, training should not... Like, smart training... Like, man, it's hard, right? Because, again, a lot of it goes back to, like, you're... Like, someone who's really good at jujitsu can be going hard but make it look easy. Yep. Right? And so... But then you tell a white belt, man, you need to go hard. And you watch that white belt try to go hard, and it's like, whoa, well, calm down. Like this, it's not the same thing. And so, like, you have to work hard. Like, you, so you're always working hard, but it's not a matter of just like, like white belt, like just fucking spastic hard. Like that's how most people approach working hard in the gym. And it's like, no, man. There's like a focus and intention, and that focus and intention builds up over the course of, of you know, a few weeks to like that really hard physical effort as well but it's not just going out and just you know physically flailing at the weights and at your workouts as hard as you can every time you go train but you know because if you watch someone who's uh, like a, a, a skilled strength athlete like a, a olympic lifter or power lifter and you watch them train and you know they're not getting themselves jacked up like they would for a uh, for a meet mm-hmm. when they're working out but like they're still working hard, right? But they're not taking it to that that hundred percent. Like that hundred percent is reserved for competition, for competition, for special things. And so it's hard when you don't understand that you don't have any context for that because you're like, you know, well, what is it? Do I need to work hard? Well, to me, working hard is going hundred percent. I don't understand how you can work hard and not be going hundred percent. That doesn't make any sense. And it's like, well, you know, once you have the experience and you know how. Even a 50% effort workout can be hard, right? Because if you're putting the intention behind it and you're putting the mental energy into it, like that's where the hard comes from is how much, 
is, is it a mental or physical hard? And most people just equate hard with physical, physical hard. hard. If I'm not breathing heavy and dripping sweat, yeah, I'm wasting my time. Wasting my time. And it's like, no, no, no. You start out with mental hard, right? That 50% is mental. It's, it's still hard, but it's because you're able to put so much mental effort into what you're doing. You're just doing everything perfect and focused. And then it's like it eventually it's, you know, that, that ratio changes. You know, week two is kind of 50-50, and then week three is more physical hard. And so anyways, yeah, it's that, that cycling between the two. That's what people miss. It's so hard. Like, cause you say hard and it's like, I'm talking about one thing. Someone else is talking about another thing and we're just totally missing each other in the conversation. So, yeah. They don't, people don't have the same definition or the same right. perception of it. Yeah. Um, and that's where they, you know, they'll go wrong and make those mistakes. And that's where the injuries happen or they don't see the benefits. So then, like, well, why should I do an additional strength training? You know, yeah. why should I do strength and conditioning? You know, besides jujitsu. Yeah. And yeah. You know, and now what's interesting there? I'm just gonna throw this out there because I feel like my training over the last couple of years is pretty much um, goes against all that stuff that we just talked about. Because ever since the ramping isometrics entered my life, I've like, it's really like that's it. I do that and then I do some like like accessory work for fun. But I can't remember the last time I sat down and planned out like, okay, I'm gonna do, you know, a phase where I'm focusing on, you know, lighter weight and higher reps, and then I'm gonna do a five three two and then I'm gonna transition to a power phase. You know, like that I, I haven't done that in years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and you saying that that was about the time that I really started changing my thought process, thought process on training also is, you know, as far as we talk about this all the time, <clears throat> I remember talking about it last week and, you know, making your strength and conditioning program fill those gaps. Yeah. But think of all the physical activities you do. I mean, your jujitsu, you mountain bike, you know, you're out doing mace runs. Like you live a very physical lifestyle. Yeah. So to add more stress to the fucking body by out there deadlifting your face off, yeah, you're not doing any good. I know from experience it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You no, know, there's there's only so much you can do. So you you are creating a lot of stress with all your activities and, and inflicting damage on yourself. You should be trying to undo that because you can only and you can only put so much stress on your system before something breaks. Yeah, and it, and I think you know looking back and reflecting on you know that Steve Maxwell seminar where we learned about the ramping isos, that was really what he was saying in different words, different context. He's like, you guys don't need to, you know, because he's talking to an you know, older generation, but even a younger me would have benefited from this. Yeah. Like, you don't need to don't be. Don't need it. You don't need, like, that is training. Like, you're rolling or your activities, that is exercise. Yes. And then, so you're just trying to supplement that. Again, fill the gaps, undo the damage, so you feel good, so you can do your activities to the best of your ability. You don't want to be taken away from your activity. Right. You don't want your training to be so hard that when you go, go to roll, like, you're just cramping up and risking injury and it's dude it's taken me fucking 40 years yeah. to sort this out and I, I'm slowly like ah you know now I'm spending a lot of time lifting weights because I can't wrestle right and my drill I can, I'm getting back into drilling but it's very easy structured it's you know it's not physically taxing really I mean it is a little bit but not I mean not workout enough so I gotta yeah. stress myself other ways until I can get back to wrestling you know yeah so it's but yeah it's I, it's so hard to get that message across to people. I, 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 
I say I don't know why, but it's been a newer thing for me too. So I'd have to sit down and really think like, okay, why did it, why was I so fucking hard headed and letting that lesson seep in? You know, why did it take so long? I mean, well, is it just for maturity, you know, or just, what's the message, right? Like we talked about a little bit last week, like how the things get flipped <clears throat> right like the the point of points what originally was to in jiu-jitsu was to give you a, a direction forward not to score points and then when you lose sight of that and you think the point of jiu-jitsu is to score points it becomes something different and so same thing here like you know you look at top athletes and top athletes in most sports tend to have higher strength levels they tend to have higher strength to weight ratios and so the, the message comes out like hey the top performers can deadlift x amount of weight when we test them they can deadlift x amount of weight and so the uh so then the message gets disseminated that if you can deadlift this amount of weight it's going to make you more elite you're going to now have you know be more like they are and so well, now we're going to create a training program that helps you deadlift this much weight because that's how you become a better athlete is by deadlifting this much weight when it's not, you're not reading the right message. That's not it. Yeah, right. Like the, the act becoming a better athlete should a side effect of that should be that you become stronger, but becoming stronger to become a better athlete shouldn't be the focus. That's where things get mixed up. And, but then you've got a, uh, I think it's FedEx. Oh, FedEx. He's a, yeah, it's a FedEx fan. Okay. I got it's all right, buddy. So, but yeah, then you got an industry, right? Like strength coaching. Or how do you justify your existence? Do you justify your existence by telling people I don't really matter? You know, it doesn't do so good for the bank account. No, uh, uh-uh. you you justify your existence by telling people that I am your pathway to becoming a better athlete. Because I have the, the way to help you deadlift more weight. <clears throat> and if you can deadlift more weight, you'll be a better athlete. So ipso facto, I am how you become a better athlete. And so in, in, it sounds good. It makes sense. And so that's how you end up with this logic and all these people falling into this trap. Because you think that you need to lift weights to become a better athlete when... That's not it. That's not it. It's backwards thinking. You're trying to reverse engineer being an athlete, and it, it never works. That's not how it fucking works. You can't reverse engineer being an athlete. You got to just go through the fucking process. There's no way to hack it, right? Like that, that's part of the problem too. Like people are trying to speed the process up. Like they want to hack the hack, the, hack the system. Oh, I got to increase my deadlift strength. So let's do that quickly. It's not that like let me continue to train to be a better athlete at my sport, and as I do that. And as I become better, a side effect of that is that my deadlift strength goes up. <clears throat> it's, I got to hack the system and speed this process up. So, you know, Olympic lifts, same thing. You see that a lot with people getting all into fucking snatches and cleans and stuff because, you know, that's going to increase your vertical jump and your speed and all of these other things. And it's like, no, man, Olympic lifters are fucking freaks. Like, they're not freaks because they Olympic lift. They Olympic lift because they're freaks. Yeah. And just because you Olympic lift ain't going to make you a freak. So. Oh, hey. Shiloh. Shiloh. I am. Want to give us a high school report? How was school? It was good. We played our first piece of music in band. We sight read. I play alto saxophone. 
And then we've been learning about the 13 main gods in mythology. Yeah. So, yep. Yep, been taking a lot of notes and filling out the really weird genealogy chart. Uh, I got a sweet gods. book at home I'm gonna bring you. Really? All about mythology. Yeah, it's, it's kind of almost like a textbook. Ooh. It breaks it all down. I'm gonna have to bring that over for you. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, that'd be really cool. I really like mythology. Cool. So, I'll bring awesome. it over for you. Awesome. So, yep, that was my high school experience for today so far. First week of high school is done. Yes, it is. It's kind of crazy. It feels like it's been forever. I have a dance and cross-country practice later today. A dance? Yeah. What do you mean? Like a, like a back-to-school dance? This whole thing's like it's falling a... apart. <laughs> we got, that's all right. We got an edit button on this thing. I can sort it off. No, it's, it's all good. People love this. <laughs> yeah. This is, why, this is what our 200 fans demand. <laughs> the real life. That's right. The real life activities. There's no sugarcoating it. That's awesome. It's all blowing up. All right. Cool. Yep. Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, right on. Well, we're going to continue recording. Okay, I'm really hungry, so I'm going to get Why don't you go get some meat. food? I will. Okay. Fine. I will. Love you. Love you. Alright, see you Yep. Woo! I got a cool mythology book I'm gonna bring her over. I yeah. think I saw it at my house that one day. I showed it to you. It, it, it's it's not a story. Yeah. You know, it's just all about all the different you know, yeah. uh, gods and whatnot and the kind of the history of them mm. and where they came from, why people worshipped them and blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. pretty cool. Interesting. It's, yeah. And I was kind of using it as like when I was reading when I was kind of in that phase, I was reading Iliad and the Odyssey and uh, Hannibal and different shit. It's almost like a reference book. Like, oh, what are they talking about here? And I could go to that book and I could, oh, that's where that guy. Yeah. Because there's sometimes they'll mention gods in there. They don't really give any, like, context. Right. They just talk about a god. You know, they might brush on it. I'm like, all right, I need to know more about this god. So then I go read it. And I'm like, ah, oh, okay. Then it kind of makes the story make a little more sense. Oh, nice. So I have to bring it over for her. Yeah. No, she'll like that. She's been in. We did the... Uh... We read the Percy Jackson um, books. They were the name's familiar. Yeah, there was some movies. They were terrible uh, interpretations of the uh, of the books, but it was a pretty good, really good book series. It was um, we read the whole thing together. It was we got into it when um, yeah, I was reading to her in like third grade or whatever, and like the premise is that they're they're still like you know the gods and demigods and like percy jackson is a you know he's half human half god that's what demigods are I forget i think like poseidon was his father and uh they have a a camp um called camp half blood because you're like you're half blood and so that's where the demigods go because there's monsters and the monsters are attracted to the demigods like they can smell them and sense them and so they want to they want to kill them because the demigods are the only thing besides the gods that can kill them. And so as kids, they're being hunted and they end up, you know, getting recruited and taken to Camp Half-Blood. And it's actually really well written. And it's like the way he weaves in the gods and the, the old Greek uh, myths and everything into the, the stories um, is really well done and really, you know, kind of accurate how he portrays a lot of that stuff. And But that's what got her into it, was reading those books and... And then kind of same thing, just wanting to learn more about the original myths um, behind that story. But, uh, yeah. I wish I would have gotten into that stuff as a kid. I was such a knucklehead. 
I wasn't reading mythology books. I was watching Chuck Norris movies and Bruce Lee movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I remember I was, I was into like the Arthur legends and I was like Roman myths and Greek myths and all that shit. I was like, that's... You know, it's again, you can't have too much regret, but because like, I'm really into reading now, and like I read all the fucking time, and dude, you get and like I, I said, so every morning I read for a minimum a half hour, and then being that I'm not at work right now, I got extra time, so there's a lot of mornings it goes into an hour, and if I'm really digging when I read, and I just keep on going, but I got to set a limit because I'll just sit there all day and just yeah. keep reading. Oh yeah, you know, you just kind of. Because, you know, I finished the Musashi book and then I read the one about his life, the life of Musashi. Yeah. You know, it's... The Lone Samurai? Yeah, The Lone Samurai. Yeah. What'd you think of that? Good. Yeah. It was good. And then I finished that and I'm starting to read 47 Ronin. Ooh, I'm just, okay. I'm just getting started on that. This okay. morning I was reading the part to where... Um, God, I forget the guy's name right offhand, but he he killed that dickhead at the castle because he, he was being a dick. Yeah. So he pulled his sword out and struck him down in the castle, which you can't pull your sword in the castle. Yeah. And so he's at the point where he has to, he kills himself. He has to, what, yeah. what's the ritual think, suicide? The guy that didn't die. The guy that he, he struck him, but I don't think that oh, guy died. Oh, that's it. They carried him off. They haven't, yeah. they haven't touched on whether he died. Okay, yeah. So I didn't mean to ruin it. No, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I, well, Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, that's fine. Because it, it's, it's kind of inconsequential. It's not that big of a deal. He pulled yeah. a sword in the castle. That's all that matters. He pulled a sword in the castle. Yeah. This, you know, the guy kind of deserved it, I think. But you still can't do that, apparently, in Samurai Days. Yep. And so now he had to kill himself. That's his only choice. And so, and then that's where I said, I, I wanted to keep reading. I was like, dude, I got to do shit. So yep. I, had, I had to put my bookmark in it. But, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Dude, it's so, like, yeah, man. Just, there's so much good stories and knowledge and wisdom you learn from reading that old stuff. Yeah, history. Not only is it entertaining, but it's just, it's deeper than that. Yeah. It's not just zoning out and staring at the fucking TV. Right. It's there's more to it. There's way more yeah, it's it's, it is, man. It's the like human the human story and the stuff that drives us is it's the same damn thing. Like that's the thing that fascinates yeah. me is like you could take those people and drop them in today's world and you could take us and drop them back then. It's like there would be an adjustment, you know, obviously to like but like the mentality, the things that, that were driving them, the, their worries, their fears, like all of these things are... It's the same. It's the same, man. It's the same. And, and you can see like how people try to deal with them. And then you can see the fucking cycles. And then you can look out and you can see like parallels of like, you know, things going on today. And then that's, you know, you're able to like extrapolate like, oh shit, like... I've seen this pattern many times in a lot of these stories. Like you can kind of see where this is going. This is how it's going to play out. More than likely, this is how it's going to play out. Mm. So yeah, I mean, that's where the old cliche, if you don't know your history, you're you're doomed to repeat it. But yeah, if you're not, you know, reading and keeping up on your history, I find that shit fascinating. I'm reading one now on, uh, it's, oh God, I forget the name of it, but it's looking at uh, Plato and Aristotle. And they were both, like Plato was uh, Socrates' most famous student and really the guy who kind of made Socrates famous. And Aristotle was a student of uh, Plato. And they had a, a breaking of their basic philosophy of life and that how it's like the tension between those two thought processes is what has created like Western thought and Western civilization and led to like all of our, our stuff. But uh, in a nutshell, basically like Plato says that you can know things, you know, like if, if someone's to ask you, 
define uh, great jujitsu? Would you know it when you see it? I know it when I see it. Okay. Like, you know, so... But to slap a hard definition on it? Right, right, right. And to say, like, you know, there is something known as perfect jujitsu that exists out there. And we can judge other jujitsu against that. And, and the closer that it gets to this perfection, you know, the, the you know my, my soul, like, you just kind of know it. You can sense it. You can sense it. It's something you can't really put into, into words. And so, you know, I guess like if there's good jujitsu and there's better jujitsu, then there has to be best jujitsu, right? Like mm -hmm. that's kind of the logic. And by trying to seek best jujitsu, then you can, you know, that takes your, your, your jujitsu higher and higher and higher. And uh, Aristotle's was, you can only know what you've experienced, like Australia, right? Mm -hmm. Like really... Can you really know Australia is there until you've been there? You can't. You can't. You can't. You're just you're trusting in people telling you right. it's there. The only thing that you really know is what you've experienced. But within these experiences, are you can start to decipher greater truths from thinking about and your experiences and what you've learned from them. And so you know, ones like your experiences don't really matter as much because this, this, you, it's more of focusing on perfect jujitsu, right? If you're focused on perfect jujitsu and, and working towards that, then your daily experiences aren't, you know, really is, is, uh, is consequential or it's like, no, my daily experiences are what drive my jujitsu. Like my experience tells me this works or this didn't work and I need to react to that. I don't need to be seeking perfect jujitsu. I need to be fucking worried about what my experience is telling me right now and trying to reason on that and, and work from there. Which one's right? Who knows? They're right. They're, they're, they're both they're kind both, of right. They're both right. But they're both diametrically opposed. Yeah. They're both complete opposites that really can't, shouldn't be able to exist in the same world. It has to be one or the other. And so that was the, that's that tension. And when you, you realize like, oh shit, like that is the tension in our society. Like we both know both of these things are true, you know, and you get too far to one end or too far to the other end and things start to get off kilter, right? Like, you know, oh man, everything is just my intention and I can put my vibrational energy out there <laughs> You know, and it's gonna manifest itself versus like, no man, it's just fucking dirt around us. Like that's all there is. That's all you need to fucking worry about and deal with. And it's like it can get like that's not good either, right? It's like you have to. It's that tension. There's a bridge between those two trains of thought that you try to suspend. And and uh, anyways, though, but dude, it's fucking fascinating. Like reading the history and all the shit leading up to this, and I'm just like beginning it. But I'm with you, dude. That's one of those books where I'm like, if I don't check myself. Yeah. I could spend all day. Yeah. Literally yeah. hours. Yep. It's upon hours just reading. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got to set a timer, man. I, I really do. I have to. Because like, if not, I'll just, uh, yep. I'll just gobble it up and be on the next one. I'm already thinking about it. Like, dude, so am I going to stay down this Asian culture <laughs> samurai <laughs> rabbit hole? Because I went from Iliad and the Odyssey, then I went to Musashi. Okay, well, where am I going to go from here? I think, dude, I really dig the samurai shit. I might stay down the samurai rabbit hole for a minute. You know, maybe, you know, I thought about, okay, maybe I'll get into uh, buy that, you know, Taquan wrote a book. Yeah, too. yeah, the unfettered mind. Yep. Yep. 
you know, maybe I'll go that route. But there's there's other cool samurai stories that are you know based on history. They're fictional, but yeah. they're, they're based on historical events. And they class them up to make them entertaining. I mean, oh, maybe I'll go that route. You know, so I don't know. Yeah, I'll worry about. I'll, I'll finish forty seven rounds and then I'll sort it out. There's so many fucking different yeah things to read. I had to stop reading a book recently. It was killing me, man. Really? Yeah, it's one of these autobiographies. That I don't want to like name the guy's name because he's actually like kind of a, a known dude in the strength training industry a little bit not like real well known so you know and again man his story is his story and this is me just passing complete judgment on it but it's one of those where you're like dude there's people that have a story in their background and you're like god damn that's fucking inspirational and then you got people that it's like that was kind of rough but you know really 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 <laughs> Like, this is, we're fucking really, like, saying, you know, trying to draw, like, you know, be a life coach based on, on this. And then... Fucking oh, life coaches. It's funny uh, you said that word. Uh, I was in a mental rant today about that book. Yeah, Hopefully I'll tee you up on this. So, and, uh, and the thing that was really annoying the piss out of me was that most of his, quote-unquote, hardships as a kid were brought on by what from what I could tell was basically a deadbeat mom that didn't want to get a fucking job and was like hooked on this hippie uh, ideal of living off the grid and not having to work a job I, you know what I mean and so she's like she's got five kids and this dude and they're they're dragging the kids around through like the fucking you know forests of Oregon and Northern California and like very like substandard conditions the kids are in like danger like legitimate danger that like you know everyone survives so you look back on it now and you're like oh you know this is you know good uh character building experience hey you just had shitty parents you had shitty parents man <laughs> you had shitty parents and and you know oh her code she was driven by her code and she wouldn't compromise her code and you know and it's like at one point she uh Try, she gets a job as a nurse's aide. She's trying to get a job as like a, a you know, in, in, in the medical field or whatever. And so, she, you know, she didn't agree with how some of the elderly people were being treated. And so it went against her ethics. And so she quit. And so we were back to eating fucking beans again. Or, you know, not even, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't agree with how these people are being treated. So you quit? No, 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 no. That's your solution? That's your solution? No, no, no. Like, if you got fired because you stood up for what you believed in... Then, that's sticking to your... That's sticking to your convictions. Yeah, but you just quitting because you're like, oh, I don't agree with how this is going, so I'm going to quit because it goes against my morals. No, 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 no. That's not morals. That's the fucking excuse because you don't want to work. Mm -hmm. You don't want a real job. And you got fucking kids that you got to take care of. This isn't about you and your stupid fucking... Uh, code or whatever it is that you, you think but the thing that was driving me nuts dude I got about a quarter of the way through the book I had to stop reading it because this dude like his mom did no wrong his mom was a strong independent woman who had a vision and was you know refused to compromise on that vision and I, I'm just like dude you had a bad mom yeah and so now and you're like glorifying her in this fucking hack story of you know to be an inspirational life coach type guy 
I, I, I couldn't do it. I had to, I had to stop. You checked out. Dude, I have very few books that I fucking yeah, it's very given rarely, up on. Very rarely do I give up on a book. Yeah. So I get committed, but I, yeah. there's been a couple of them. I, yeah, I just, I had to, I was like, I can't take this anymore. Yeah, I like, that, that was the last straw for me when he was like, because I worked as a nurse's aide, man, and I definitely don't agree with the way that, uh, you know, the people in the nurse's home are always treated, but you, you fucking do the best that you can and you don't, you don't compromise your morals on a day-to-day basis. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. And you, if you want to fire me over it, that's fine, but I don't believe that that's right. And this is what I'm going to do instead. Like that, that's how you fucking try to get change. And you try to stand up for people who can't speak for themselves. So just be like, I quit. I was like, no, 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 this is bullshit. Then in uh anyways so yeah but life coaches yeah what a fucking bunch of goobers huh oh jesus fucking christ i I came across some asshole i don't know if i got like a spam email i can't right offhand i can't remember where it came from because i got so fired up about this fucking ass clown you know trying to sell himself as a life life coach and the dude's like 28 years old or something yes i'm like dude you can eat a big bag of dicks if you're fucking gonna try to get me to hire you and you're 28 years old as a life coach Dude, a life coach, first of all, I just think that's fucking horseshit altogether. And you'll even see programs sort of like, oh, become a certified life yes. coach and shit. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a legitimate thing. Dude, I ain't hiring a fucking life coach unless the guy's like 95 years old, still smart as shit, and got a ton of wisdom. Then I'm just going to take him out for a cup of coffee and fucking have some conversations with him. Right. That's it. Yeah. This fucking life coach thing, dude. I just, I got so pissed off. It was, I think it was just today. I was like, and there's people out there paying money for this shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, man, I know. I, that dude is dirty. Yeah. I, I really think it's kind of fucking dirty. Man, right? I, f- I feel like it's one of those things where it's really, it's a lot like personal training, right? Like when you think of personal trainers, like your initial reaction is a bunch of ass clowns, mm-hmm. right? But the problem is like there's some really good personal trainers that help people. And, but then you have a lot of ass clowns who piggyback off of, like their results, right? Like you have really good trainers who can get really good results. And so, you know, the public consciousness knows that like trainers can get results. And so you are able to piggyback off of that. And so, you know, like Anthony Robbins, he was the original life coach, right? I mean, mean, I'm saying that is like, because nowadays, I mean, before there was a Jim Rohn's in the, but you want to call them like life coach, Zig Ziglar's, they might fall in that same I mean, I think like today, that wasn't a term when they were around, right? Like Anthony Robbins was, I guess like in my mind that he was kind of the first, like the modern guy, like he, you know, cause those guys kind of were, um, over like a previous generation, generation, right? So he was, he's kind of, and, and really, you know, him and his style and his format, you know, the high energy, uh, you know, uh, seminars and stuff and and you know we're gonna tap into the power within and all that shit i mean that's kind of the model for yeah, the industry he was kind of leading that charge yeah right and so but man i'd argue that man, he's he's legitimately uh i'd listen to him he's, he's helped a lot of people if anthony robbins came to you and said hey man for the next 90 days i want to be your life coach you gonna tell him no 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 i'll listen to him right but that's anthony robbins right right like i'm not gonna listen to some 28 year old fucking guy who uses the same title that Anthony Robbins uses right because he's just basically trying to piggyback off the fact that Anthony Robbins is pretty legit can get results so therefore 
life coaches get results. You're a life coach, so therefore you can get results. They, they see like, it's all this backwards logic that people end up falling into. But dude, if you're desperate, you know, like life is just uh, you're struggling, struggling, and you don't have a way out. I mean, personally, I would say first thing to do is read um, Seneca. Like start getting um, Seneca and, and Ep- Ep- Epictetus. Like they're, they're like the the old uh, Stoic philosophers. Cause I mean, all those guys, all the you know the if if you want to um, was like you know the obstacle is the way the Ryan Holiday. Right right you know, there's there's, there's there's like this this Stoic philosophy is very in very popular even within like a lot of these life coaching circles. It's like, dude, go to the fucking source. Go right to the source. Go to the source. Go read on the shortness of life by Seneca. Right? Start there, and and then start to read the old, uh, the old Stoic philosophers, and man, I'd say like that's that's probably gonna do way more for you as life coaching goes than ninety nine percent of fucking life coaches go. And still have Anthony Robbins help me, but you know, like I said, he's 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 the outlier with that shit. So. But uh, have you read much of the Seneca and Epictetus? I, I, I went down that rabbit hole for a little bit. I'm not real studied up on it, but yeah, I went down the Stoicism. Yeah, I can't like throw out quotes on you, but I, I've read like his letters. It's basically a collection of letters that he wrote to uh, to a guy, which is interesting because he was, you know, he was a rich uh, guy, mm-hmm. and so it's. Uh, and I, I started just like you said. I it all kind of brought the attention through like the Ryan Holiday route. And then I thought the exact same thing. I was like, why don't I just go right to the source? Yeah. And so then I, I, I went, you know, started reading the older stuff where he is getting all his shit from. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's very easy reads, man. Yeah, it's easy reads. And, and they're not long. It's not like, uh, like Plato's Republic mm-hmm. or some shit. Like you're, it's, uh, you know, easily digestible. Um, you know, Marcus Aurelius, mm-hmm. uh, what was it? Meditations. Meditations. Yeah. Book? Yep. Mm-hmm. So he was, uh, another well-known guy, but, Epictetus, one, I like it because if you say his name in a certain way, it sounds like epic titties. <laughs> <laughs> Way to church it up, dirt. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Epictetus um, was a slave. And so, like, you know, it's interesting. You get the Stoic philosophy coming from Marcus Aurelius, who was like the Roman emperor, and, you know, Seneca, who was a pretty well off dude in, in Roman life. And then you've got Epictetus, who is literally born a slave and like I think he was lame uh, crippled I mean really rough hand dealt to him so I've always, I always found his stuff to be pretty interesting because he had you know you can't help but have a different perspective on the whole stoic philosophy coming from that perspective than you know the uh, the other one so anyways good shit yeah yeah, yeah. So the lesson from that, yeah. read. Read, man. Yep. Fucking read. What's the other one? Victor Frankel's. Um, man, Search for Meaning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You read that one? Yep. Another great book. It's kind of in that same vein, man. I think, you know, I've considered going, I might, I have never read uh, Gulag Archipelago. Woo! I looked at it, man. That's a, that's a fucking undertaking. Is it? Yeah. It's a, that's a big, um, big book. You know, it's, it's one of Jordan Peterson's must reads you know he's 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 strong on that he's like yeah, this is everybody should read this book yeah when he there's like a uh 
within the past year, couple years, there was the 50th anniversary out of that book, and he had, uh, Peterson wrote the foreword for it. Mm. I'm considering reading, going down that rabbit hole. I don't know if I'm prepared. Man, there's a lot for that undertaking. You know, like War and Peace. Yep. You know what I mean? Like Jesus, I you know I haven't, I haven't read it. I'm sure that'd be great, but uh, I'm yeah, it's funny, man. There are just like certain books that like if they don't tickle my my fancy bone and whatever that it's is. It's hard to get through. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I don't know what it is. I will say something about the Russian style of writing. I, it's hard for me, man. Is it? It is. Yeah. I, it's just, like, it's just not... There's not a lot of fluff. Oh, it. It's not even that, man. I don't know what it is. I can't put my, my finger on it. Because, like, Seneca doesn't have a lot of fluff. You know? But um, Musashi doesn't have a lot of fluff. So it's not that. It's just there's something about the Russian style of writing that is just fucking hard for me to plow through. And, and you know, it's probably a translation thing, right? Yeah. Like their language is so different than ours. And so trying to like, you know, interpret what is probably a very like like it probably flows so much better in your brain in Russian. In Russian than uh the translation does. So anyways, that's just my fucking my uh what am I? I'm not racist. I'm a lookist. That's what it is. I just don't like the way some people look, <laughs> and they may happen to be a certain race or color. But that's entirely <laughs> coincidental. It's not causal. <laughs> I'm an equal opportunity as far as that goes. I'm a lookist. Yeah, that's right. You look like an idiot. I may not like how you look. <laughs> really, that's what it all boils down to. So, you know, uh, trying to shift gears a little bit. I'm saying, man, we start talking about, you know, like. Like what is like beautiful jiu-jitsu, a perfect jiu-jitsu? You know, what would it be if you, you know, looking at it? I was thinking about that when I was watching uh, Pimenta roll the other day. Like, dude, out of all the people come through, man, like, I do, I like his style the best. Hands down. Dude, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Like, we get some really good guys come through. And, tra- and in my, you know, 15 years of doing jiu-jitsu, I've trained with this and seen a lot of very high-level guys. No doubt in my mind. Like, dude, the way that guy fucking rolls... Dude, it just speaks to me, and I can't figure out why, and I can't figure out when he does something, because I'll sit there and just, just watch him train, and the problems he's solving, and dude, he just sees shit different. Yeah. And I don't know, like, how to get there from, like, where I'm at to where he's at. Like, where, what's bridging that gap? I mean, I know it's got a lot to do with the fact that he's been in black belt longer than I've been doing jiu-jitsu, but, yeah, man, he's fucking good. Yeah, no, he's real good. I like his. I know exactly what you mean. I like his style too. I, I feel like one, it uh, it it looks so effortless, effortless, dude, and so controlled. Like he never looks like he's losing control of the situation. Even mm-hmm. even when he almost looks like he's some starting to get off balance or a little bit, like the look on his face never changes. It, he's just yeah. It appears calm, that he always has control of the situation. Always has control of the situation. Yeah. And he's just, he's very like analytical with it too. Cause you'll see him pause for like a half second, assess, you know, what's impeding my progress here. And then he just has a fucking Starts answer de- for de- it. Yeah, deconstructs it. it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I, I feel the same way. Like, I like his, his style um, speaks to me yeah. as well. That like heavy pressure, don't let them move. And it's just keeping control of the situation, staying calm. A lot, you know, a lot of it is he did heavy pressure, 
and then not letting them move, but they have to move. And then, then it's the timing of it. Yeah. And, and then they react, you go. Boom. And then create a situation where they have to move, and then they go, you go. And I, that's a lot of what, I mean, it's, and dude, and I really like, you know, he's in town now training with us. Dude, I like watching him, you know, firsthand sitting within fucking five feet of the mat watching. And then I'll go home and like pull up some of his old matches on YouTube and watch, I'm like, Motherfucker's been doing this for, <laughs> yeah. What I just saw him do, just you know, some purple belt on the mat tonight. Like, oh, he's doing this at the highest level. Oh, here, oh, okay. And then I, I start piecing, you know, pieces of the puzzle together. They start clicking a little bit. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, fucker's good, man. He is. God damn it. He is, man. God damn it. <laughs> he is. Yeah, we gotta. Do, are we doing a private with? We him? gotta decide because I, I see him too as like. He's like the oracle. You have yes. to ask the right question. Yep. If you just go in to like, oh, let's do a private with him. Oh, what do you want to go over? Oh, let's go over close guard. You go in like that, it's not nearly as beneficial, man. Like mm-hmm. you got to go in with a fucking plan and ask the right questions, dude. Yeah. Because I'll, I want to ask him about grip fighting. Grip fighting? Yeah. I'm totally convinced now, man. There's a whole world that's opened up to me that I never realized was there. I told you, like, I finally had an epiphany. Like, I, I bitch about the gi, I bitch about the gi, and I realize I'm being a hypocrite because, one, I'm having a preference, which Musashi told us no, not to do. Don't have a fucking preference for any anything. And then, you know, the gi is a weapon. And, you know, he also said the worst thing to do is to die in combat with one of your weapons sitting useless at your side. And so it's like, dude, I keep getting fucking killed with one of my weapons sitting here on the side. And so... Yeah, the so grips um, and using that gi, and it's uh, man, I almost it's hard. Like I'm trying to figure out how to dis- like put in words what I'm what I, I think I'm starting to see. Right, like if you think about like two uh, you know, like samurai getting ready to engage, like grips are like you know the the fucking the sword. Like who who has the angle? Who has the advantage with their sword angle? Like you know, and the higher ground or the, or, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's, yeah. it's, and, and then knowing that like, okay, if they react this way, then this is what to do. And cause you told me, what, what was your advice? Like, uh, the, I told her we walking off the mat the other yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. I was like, reassess. Reassess. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's the word you need to fucking just right. bed in your vocabulary. Yep. Just reassess. But, and, and the thing is, is it, part of it is recognizing when a grip is no longer good mm-hmm. and, and, and probably that pant grip is probably the best example like we've we're uh you know jamie came to town and and was using the that pant grip uh and you know so we started using it and kevin started using it and it's like okay well, wait a minute what's the defense to this and oh you got to get your knee to the ground like once you put weight on the knee the pant grip becomes worthless when there's no weight on the foot and you got the weight on the knee okay well then what's the next grip after where that yeah. where do you go from there and, and what, how do you assess what is the next grip, you know? And so, like, to me, that's what I feel like Pimenta does. Like, that's what he does, is he's always reassessing, figuring out the grip battle, and then once he gets what he wants, he moves. And then he... See, you're close, I believe. You're right, and yes, he reassesses, like... He has a plan. Yeah. Like he has, okay. When I, I say I, he reassess, he maybe reassess so fast that so to fast. us it looks like. It's nothing. Right. But, but it is. It's, there's, there's calculations yes. going on and they're, they're fast. But to break it down, it's, you know, you, you have a goal. Like say you're trying to pass to get to this submission. You run into a roadblock. 
you got it's a quick assess like okay what is my roadblock is it this grip do i need to address this grip is it this leg is it the angle it's it's quick 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 oh like this is so the grip fuck it i don't care about the grip here yeah but there's times you get to a situation like oh the grip is my roadblock it's problem solving you know and then like as far as like the pant grip on the other side like the offensive side of it is like yo you got that pant grip once you realize so you because you presented a problem to somebody they they solved that problem so you just have to be like okay what's my next problem oh i want to sweep or i want to get to this position so you have to like come up with a different game plan like that like oh that game plan got shut down what's my next game plan i'll get to here and so that's what it is like it's not so much oh what grip do i need because you can't answer that question if you don't know where you want to go. See, do you think, though, that that's what he's doing? Yes. You think that when he like, he knows exactly what sweep he's going to hit on you? has a pretty good idea. He has a pretty good idea. Because you don't start the problem. Interesting. You don't start the problem like, what grip should I have next? Because you can't answer that problem you until, know, you, until you know what you want to do. Right. Well, well, I mean, you can back figure. You can be like, okay, I need a point of control, and then I'll see what's going to benefit me. So you can go, oh, yeah. I lost the pan grip. Let's get a sleeve grip. What's going to present itself? Yeah. You can try to solve it that way. Yeah. If you don't have an idea of what you want to do, that's not a bad way. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't know where to go from here. Let's get a point of control and then see what presents itself. But if you got a concrete idea, it's a different train of thought. Then you're Then you think... I need to go I here, yeah. so I need to get the grip. I know what so you're it's, saying. So it's yeah. two different ways to solve this, the problem. Mm, man, yes. And, and, and so, and, and so it, it's either I have a plan, these are the steps I need to put that plan into action, or I don't have a plan, let's throw a couple steps in there and see if the plan presents itself. It, it's two different ways of thinking. So yeah, and, and so I guess like, so you're always going to have a plan because you have uh you have certain techniques, certain answers to certain problems that are yours, right? And so, like, if, if you like with Pimenta, he's really good at the knee slide pass, knee cut pass, knee on belly, mount, cross trip, right? I mean, that's that, 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 if, yeah, yeah, that's all of the things being equal. That's the big plan. That's that's his main path. That's that, the one that's, he's he's really good at. And so, and then it's like, so it, then you break it down from there, right? And so. Then, then, so he comes in, and then you present him with a problem, and it's like, it's like, uh, so his answering the problem is still going to kind of continue him down this general path. Although I don't know, I don't like my argument would be there. I would say that there's probably times when he doesn't necessarily know exactly what, how this is going to go. He's got to address his grip, and he may not have uh, something specific in mind when he does that. He's going to kind of let them react, and then go from there right and of course but even that is part of he he's trained himself to recognize what these reactions are and anticipate them to the point that he doesn't even have to think about it yep. it just happens because it's like you know it, i guess in my mind there's that fine line because as soon as you think about a certain technique your mind is stopped frozen you can't do that so you know what i mean so that's why i was asking like is pimenta does he really is he really thinking of a certain technique so that his mind is frozen on this certain way of doing it or is he just continuing to progress down this road addressing problems as they come up and his uh the answers that he is trained into his nervous system for better you know for lack of a better term are 
just manifesting themselves. Like that is that is the way. Like that is how jujitsu manifests itself through Pimenta is through those, you know, how he does jujitsu. So anyways, I know what you mean. It's it's an interesting like that is because they're both the same, right? Both like the same. But there is a distinct difference because you, you do have to have a plan, but you can't but focus can't too be, much on that plan because that'll fuck you up. Yeah, it can't be a real rigid plan. That's what happens to me. Like, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to get underneath them and get single leg acts or, you know, start doing my Ashigurami. And then, you know, he's got both knees to the ground. And before I realize that these pant grips are fucking worthless and he's on to something else. And it's because I had a plan. You a plan. Yeah, yeah. You, you can have. But then no. I need another plan, right? But then I, I need to have it, but not but, focus on it. Well, see, and that, yeah, it, it is a way, a frame of mind. Like, you need to have, you always need to have a big overarching plan. But within that, it's very moldable. And you can't be so focused, just like Musashi talks about. You know, there, you can't be so focused on the way. There's, the way is all. Yeah. And you, and you just got to learn, like, when you hit resistance, then that's what I always think about. How much effort am I putting in to break down this resistance? If it becomes too much effort, I need to go around it. So I need to divert. I need I need a detour. And then I kind of get back on track. And so that's that's just the ebb and flow of it. That's just constant. Like how much I, you hit you hit a roadblock, oh I can get through this. Oh I hit a roadblock, I can get that ah, fuck, I can't get through something else. Yeah. And so it just it's, it never stops. It's boom. It, yeah, and you don't like again. You have the big plan always. That picture's always there where you want to get, but you can't be so focused on it. And you got to let opportunities present themselves. And sometimes you got to create those opportunities. Sometimes you're like, okay, I have an idea. I'm not sure what's gonna happen when I do this, but I'm gonna do this and see what happens. Something cool might come from it. And so you got to be moldable on that too. You know, like, yeah, it's, you can't get so focused on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fine line. It is. It's like, uh, you got to memorize things on the way to understanding them, but if you're... But to, memorization's not it. That's, that's not, not the it. answer. Yeah. Even just like, we were talking earlier about uh, the other thing um, Musashi talked about was like the point of combat is not to display technique. It's, it's to true. win. And in the process of winning, you're going to use certain techniques, but like the point is not to use techniques and then you win, right? It's like that reverse engineering thing that you can get things turned around real easy. So you're so focused on practicing techniques and, and it's like techniques are the way to be better at jujitsu, but it's like, you know, not really. Like they're, principles. They're, they're the principles. To, principles are better, the yeah. way to be better at jujitsu. That's the thing. Like just, he just understands those the principles, those principles. And so he, much he's better. constantly, he's constantly, yeah. he knows what, you know, what principles are important to him. Post, yeah. Posture base, Defense, offense, really posture based defense, offense, and he's always just boom, 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 checking those boxes. His his postures check, good. Don't have to think about it. Base is check, good. Don't have to think about it. Do I need a defense or can I offense? You know, it's kind of like the big framework. That's what I've been trying to distill, because that, that's what when you watch him, that's what's happening. It, it very rarely is his posture compromised unless he, you know, he has a reason for it. Yeah. You know, he, but then it is a posture. You know, just because it's not straight up and down, it's different, whatever. And then his base is very, I mean, he's so good at keeping his base. He's so good at flowing and keeping his base. So he's always got those two in check. And then from there, it's, okay, back out and in. Defense, offense, right? But posture and base are kind of like the, the big ones. That's what I'm seeing, you know? And yeah. Then, and then he just, it's, those are the big ones. Those are the big paths. And then it just, it's refined on from there. So it's, Yeah, well, that's why I think his grip, I, fighting is it's still the key 
is the key to it, man. I mean, it's like I like I said, I, I could be totally wrong, but my big takeaway from my private with Jamie was that like grips are jujitsu. Whoever's winning the grip fight's winning. Hmm. All things being equal. You may get in there with a white belt who doesn't know how to use grips and they've got better grips and they don't know how to use them. And so, you know, you may be able to get away with that. But you got someone who's equal with you or better. Whoever has the better grips is like you put your money on them. Is the, Who's the next 15 seconds going to go better for? Grips or maybe not a better way to, to word it, I would say, is control points. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. say control points because you know because that same principle definitely applies to nogi also. I had that. Yeah, I would. I would so, agree. So, so yeah, grips and control points. And, 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 and the thing with grips, man, is they're different. They're like different. they, you can't, you can't flow through and around grips like you can control points yeah. in nogi, and that's what is got me in trouble. That was my big eye opener with Jamie. Is like with nogi, you can't. And you can use just angle changes and, and just things to kind of kill uh, um, frames and, and control points that people are using on you. But a grip, someone grabs cloth. That's tough. You have to break that grip. You have to address their grabbing your cloth. Okay. Or, or you, yeah, or at least know how you to deal with it. You don't necessarily have to break the grip. You just got to create a situation to where the grip doesn't matter as much. Right. Well, but so you change, so well, like a cross maybe, collar, right? If you're maybe, trying maybe to pass, it's an angle, maybe it's an angle change. Maybe it's. But there's situations where you have to address a grip. Yeah, agreed, a hundred percent. Yeah, and there's situations where the grip doesn't matter. But in a, you can take a situation to where the grip is really a problem, and it does it does matter. But you can change a situation to where the same you didn't necessarily break the grip, you didn't even address that arm, so to speak. You change the situation to where the the grip is inconsequential. Yeah, and then and then that's where you that's where you get people into trouble, and that's where you get yourself into trouble. You had a, you have a good grip. Someone creates a situation to where you still have the grip. Yeah, but it doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah, and so you didn't really. You, yeah, you. I guess we're kind of fucking semantics almost now because yes, you did address the grip, but you you didn't. You know you know what I'm saying? Like, right. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I just for me the big example is you're trying to pass. And the person on bottom gets your fucking collar, or vice versa. You're on bottom and they're trying to pass and they get your collar. It's like that collar grip in that, you know, pressure passing situation um, says a lot. Mm -hmm. Like it's really hard for me to continue to pass if you've got a good cross collar grip from the bottom and you're starting to get up on your elbow. And vice versa, if I'm on the bottom and you got my collar, it's going to be really hard for me to create space and be able to get away from you and so that grip right there becomes the fucking game that's, and that's, a, big, that's a big problem yeah and that's why you'll see people sit there and just address those grips over and over and over again and not engage until they get what they want and so you know that's that that i don't know like i said it's one of those things that's always been there but it just really 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 hit home when i realized that like fuck man i am screwing myself so hard because I'm not addressing grips and I'm trying to like use too much ink. Like you can, but man, there's a time you just got to break that motherfucker. Gotta break you just got to break that fucking grip. And, and it's, it's recognizing when you got to break it and then being able to do it too. And, uh, so yeah, but that's why like, 
and then it's like okay well i broke you know they got this grip and they broke this one like what like how do you hierarchy like what is when when pimenta is looking at the grip battle like what does he see i've never really like had someone or i don't know if that makes sense but it's like you know i'm not i just want to what do you see with grips like where, where are you why where are you grabbing why are you grabbing there if they break this grip what's the next thing you're looking for why is you know how are you breaking down this grip battle thing and i don't i don't know that i really understand that it's a fair question i think it benefits you to go down like a judo rabbit hole like judo instructionals and, and principles yeah, judo's you know grip fighting is so important in judo and you know in the stand up, and uh, I think Travis Stevens has something out there. You know who Travis yeah, Stevens, yeah, yeah. right? You know, uh, yeah, grip fighting's big, and I think he I think he might even have an instructional on grip fighting. Yeah, uh, all I and mean, the principles like okay, this is this grip is good for you, not good for them. Blah blah blah. If they get this, you have to address this. If they get this, eh, it's annoying, but it's not that big of a deal. And it just it's learning to problem solve that and see the see the right problems. Yeah, that's a big part of it. And yeah, no, that's no. you just got to embrace it and see the right problems. Like, okay, nah, fuck that grip. I don't care about that. Let him wear his forearm out. Yeah. Know? Or like, oh no, let's deal with this. Well, right now I'm using a lot of just my daily experience to try and fuel my uh, concept of reality. <laughs> so, and I'm hoping it'll move me in the right direction. But so I was saying, if I could talk to somebody and try and get a little bit better idea of, you know, Some principles. something closer to perfect. You need principles. I, I've learned that. Yeah. From a coach's standpoint to try and teach you shit, you need principles. I need the principles. You don't man. need techniques. No, I need you'll figure why. Te- you'll figure out the techniques. You need the why. Yeah. And then the techniques, you'll, you'll figure it out and come up with shit. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, you need, you need principles. Like, yeah. why, why the fuck? Okay, that's great. I grab it and do this, but why? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't sink in with you until you know why. No, once I know why, then it's easy. Yeah, I can easy. apply it everywhere. Yeah. It's like the old give a man a fish versus teach me to fish. Like, I want you to teach me to fish. But, uh, yeah. So, anyways, grip fighting is my new, my new thing. I gotta get, gotta get nastier with it. Cause I try to be nice with breaking grips. And there's certain people who, you know, like my wife and fucking lawyer John, dude, that dude will not let go of, he gets the fucking spider grip on her sleeve or something. That is, like, I gotta get nasty. To break those fucking grips. You can't, you can't, yes, yeah. I don't have a problem with getting nasty. Like, if someone wants to grip, grip something tough, I'll twist my arm around. If yeah. You want, if you want to commit and leave your fingers in there, it's your fingers. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's on you, homie. No, I know. Like, I don't give a fuck. I got it. That. That, I got to get there. Yeah, yeah, you, ha- you have to. Or I just, yeah, because I realize that mindset is fucking me. Like, yeah. playing nice with grips you can't. is fucking my jiu jitsu. Until, until people get their fingers broken yeah. off. They're gonna hang on. Yeah, yeah. You, you gotta rip that shit out. And that's what I'm getting, man. I'm like, dude, I'm gonna. That's all yeah, you'll see me going like, to let go. Like, you know, if I get a good solid grip on something and I see someone is dogged at wanting to break that, I'll let go. Yeah. I'm not trying. I've, I've had enough fucking, you know, fingers, you know, mangled jiu jitsu fingers. Oh, yeah. Like, especially, you know, in a tournament, you can hang on. Like, fuck it. I can deal with, a, you know, a couple of twisted fingers. Yeah. But, you know, training, you know, I gotta live to train the next day. Like, if I see, like, sometimes you'll see somebody abort all else, get two hands on your on your wrist, and they are just poshing and ripping that grip off. They're going to win that strength battle. Your fingers are only so strong. Just let go. Unless you're Randy. There's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But true. There's, there's no. except when you're an orangutan, there's, yeah. there's a fucking exception. There's exceptions. But, but uh, yeah, I'll let go. Yeah. You know, I'll just save, save my fingers. 
Yep. No, I'm, yeah, same here, man. You can tell when someone's about to pop it hard. Yeah. There's just no reason. There's no reason. Like, okay, take you, it to 110. percent No, you're gonna win this. My fingers yeah. aren't. My fingers aren't gonna hang on. Yeah. Something's going to give. Yep. No, that's what I've. I'm but see, but that, that point, that, man. that's another part of it too, though, is understanding that, recognizing that, and even though okay, I am gonna lose this fight. What's gonna happen? Exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. Exactly. And, what's the and, grip battle? And so, like, the, you'll see me do it a lot of times. You know, like, you know, so let's say I'm on bottom, I got a good cross collar, same side collar grip, and I see someone, I see, I see all the signs, like I feel the pressure's not as heavy on me anymore, I see them starting to posture and they're going for my arm, so I know they're about to posture hard and yank, so I'll hang out long enough and I'll time it, and that's where I get the fucking Jackie Chan and knock them over, like, oh, they're about to yank real hard, I'm going to let go and I'm going to put my foot in their chest and I'm going to push at the same time, they're already going that way and they're going over. And so you recognize, okay, I'm going to lose this battle. What's my next best recourse to accepting defeat on this one little front? Yeah. And then you just you yep. just have to... That's the new horizon, man. I'm a fucking zero-degree white belt. At, uh, zero-degree white belt. At that shit, man. Yeah. You know? I mean, I understand the basics of grips. I understand, like, the basics of breaking some grips. and But, man, that, like, advanced understanding, like you're saying, like, okay, I am losing this grip assess what's the next grip to go to or the next move. Maybe the next there is move. no grip, right? Maybe like, it's just to get up. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's, okay, there's going to be space here. I don't need another grip. I yeah. just need this. Yeah. yeah. Like, what is that next move instead? So, but right now, man, my mind gets stuck on grips because it sticks. It's like, okay, grips. And then I've got my grips. I'm like, yay. <laughs> I'm so happy. I got double pan grips. Look, Rob. <laughs> Great. Yeah, then they got it? their knees on the ground and Great. it's fucking. Now they're mounted and now they're mounted. Me. You're getting collar choked, but you're grabbing the pants. That's right, man. That's right. Well, at least I'm not getting bow and arrowed as much. No, no. You gave me your. I haven't seen you bow and arrowed in a while. My tips, the elbow. And shit, you discipline. knew. You just forget. It was, man. It totally was. The elbow discipline, not letting that elbow get across. And uh, sliding the knee in. That was another good. I mean, that's, that's you can apply that in a shit ton of situations. Like just realize, man, I can't get anything can't get else. Evil. Yeah, I can't just try and slide my knee in, like my bottom knee, scrape it on the ground, see if I can get it into my chest. And if I can close this space, then uh, they got to do something. They got to move. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just creating situations where they have to, um, where they have to create space, uh, and then try and take advantage of it. So. No, man, it was helpful. Appreciate the Donna Harper Dummies tips because I do get tired of getting bow and arrowed. It's like an embarrassing joke when people are like, dude, your bow and arrow defense is really good. <laughs> it's like, well, I didn't set out for that to happen. No, no, it's because I'm a fucking dumbass and I keep getting Give bow and arrowed. And it's, uh, you know, I, I get pretty good at defending it because I go there a lot. But um, yeah, getting out of that habit. That's why I love like when I get no gi. And you get over there and you see people like reach for the collar and they're oh and it's like like ha motherfucker no, uh, no, no collar. grip for you gotta do something else yeah. but uh so anyways so yeah if we do man that's kind of my that's what you want to talk about I was thinking just come up with some different scenarios like you know hey man I got the pant grip like you get your knee to the ground like what what the fuck do you what do you see next or ask him how he's killing the pant grip like what is he seeing when he's taking doing it like I don't know that was my thought I was trying to think of some like yeah because it is it's really important to ask him the right questions yep. or it's going to be a subpar lesson mm-hmm. it, 
I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that, you know, as a down on him. It's just what it is. Like, because yeah. he sees jiu-jitsu differently. He's, he's been in it so long. Yep. And then you ask him a question, it's just like, if it's not the, if it's not the right question, you're just going to just do this. Yeah. That's... Yeah. You got to put some thought into it. You know, I said, I was figuring, you know, I do, I want to do a private with him. I want to wait and see, because wait for a seminar, do a seminar mm-hmm. on Saturday, because I don't want to book and do a private and then just have the seminar be the whole same thing. <laughs> That's what happened with me. With half the, no, almost everything I learned in this private, Canuto went over either in the seminar or like during a class or something like that, which was fine, but it was funny. And uh, so, yeah, I want to, let's see what he teaches, because then maybe that'll give us, oh, let's talk about that more. You know, or something, yeah. or something along those lines. Yeah. You never know. So yeah, that maybe, sounds good. Maybe come Sunday or Monday. Yeah. Once we have a plan. No, that's a good plan. Cool. Good plan, man. Good. Yeah, because shoot, I go back to see the surgeon on Tuesday, see what he says. I'm assuming I'll be going back to work here fairly soon. Hopefully. Maybe. Hopefully. We'll see. So did you watch that West Side Barbell documentary? I have not yet. Um, no? Dude, it's good. Is it? It's good, yeah. Louis yeah. Simmons is a madman. He is a madman. He's a fucking madman. You know, he is a perfect example of... He, he, he was solving a different problem than everyone else. It was a speed problem. And he was the first guy to recognize that it's a speed problem. If you can carry more momentum into the sticking point, it makes the sticking point easier. And so that's where like the bands and the chains, like kids again, they, people forget. Before Louis Simmons came along, no one was using that. No shit. one was using that shit. We'd never fucking heard of it. You had Doctor Squat, Fred Hatfield, with his compensatory acceleration training, where you're yeah. trying to move as fast as you can through the whole range of motion. But man, that's hard to like do and quantify. And then, yeah, people putting the, uh, the the chains and the bands to match that strength curve, and the bands are great because they have that power element. You have to race the band tension, uh, you know, to the top as well. And that was Louis' big insight: was this is a speed problem. It's not just simply a force generation strength problem; it's a speed problem. And once he started solving a speed problem, it, you know, that's why Westside was smoking everyone else because they were literally solving a different problem than everyone else everyone else was solving the wrong fucking problem and then they picked up on the west side methods and you know they're way more popular today but uh yeah man that guy he had a fucking huge impact on the strength training world for, for sure, sure. Yep. like giant he's gonna yeah, definitely leave a mark he's in his 70s is he yeah yeah he's saying this is his last go around he's, he's had two Basically, like two kind of generations of lifters. You know, the original West Siders, then you had like that next generation, which you know, I think like Dave Tate was part of that. Um, you know, a little bit later, and then uh, yeah, they're, they're like going through like retool, and there's like a new generation coming through because dude, you can't train West Side forever. Mm-hmm. Like that is a very purpose-built uh, training system. It is to lift the most amount of weight humanly possible. Fuck everything else. It's not designed for longevity. No, it's not designed for longevity. And health. No. No. You get as close as you can to the sun. And the closer you get, the more you get burned. And those motherfuckers, you know, yeah. It it was good, man. You're like, somebody I I told about was all, because, you know, Westside's one of those, they're a little controversial. and, and, And there's some people who love them, some people who hate them. And, you know, he was afraid it was like a fluff piece. You know, like, oh, Westside's great. 
And I was like, man, it's a very well done piece. Like you come away from it realizing like they did a lot of great shit, but you know, it's not for everybody. It's not for everyone, and the sacrifices by physically, mentally, relationships, everything that they had to do to achieve those things. Like you look back on it, and you know, you may not be a hundred percent sure that it was all worth it. And uh, but man, at the time or when you're doing it, so. Yeah, you'll love it, dude. Fucking watch gorillas it. and triple ply suits squatting twelve hundred yes. pounds. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, man! <laughs> Fucking madmen. So yeah, yeah, you'll like it. But uh, West Side, man. So it's it's pretty new documentary. Like it as just far got, as I know, yeah, just got made in the past year or two. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just got on Netflix. I just saw it uh, pop up. So yeah, that's uh, um, yeah, it was called West Side Barbell versus the, the World. world yeah. Like, yes. That's awesome. What was that one? What was the other? Uh... Oh, there's another good one called Screwball that I'm watching right now. And it's a documentary on the um, biogenesis, like A-Rod, baseball, uh, steroid scandal mm-hmm. thing. Um, there was a book written, Blood Sport or something, I think. was. Uh, um... Anyways, it's basically the, the reporter. Uh, the, anyways, the documentary is about, roughly follows that book. But um, have you ever seen Drunk History? Yeah. So where people are talking, but then they have people acting out and, and doing them. So they're, a lot of the thing, they're interviewing people, but then they have scenes that they're reenacting. Is this the one where they had kids? Kids. Kids playing. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've seen it? I have seen parts of it because I heard about it and I was like, I gotta go check this out. So it's yeah, fucking yeah. hilarious, kids dude. playing. Kid playing like, A-Rod. <laughs> dude. These fucking like... You know, Goombas from Jersey who are like running the tanning salon. They've got like these, the, the kids got sleeves tatted up like, nice. like uh, flesh colored sleeves on their arms to try to mimic. It's fucking hilarious, man. Yeah, yeah, you'll, that, that's another uh, good one. So, I'll check it out. I know you're looking for more shit to fill my time, fill your time with, besides all your books and other things. But yeah, that was funny. So, I got two bro science things I wanted to throw at you. Sweet. So they actually did a study on the implicit transfer of life skills through BJJ. And they basically, this was published in some psychology journal. They basically interviewed people and asked them. It was a semi-structured interview as they put it. And uh, people said that BJJ helps their confidence, improves their respect for others, uh, improves their perseverance and their eating habits. Those are all good things. All good things. And I can agree with all those. But now it's not just our opinion that, that jujitsu is good for you. It's, it's science. An, it's an official study. There's been a study done that, that shows that jujitsu improves uh, your life skills. It was uh, the, the, the transfer of life skills from jujitsu to the rest they, of your they life. They transfer over for sure. It's they funny do. they talk about the eating habits. <laughs> they you like that one. I didn't see that one coming after you were, you were listing them off, you know, confidence and perseverance. Like, yeah, yeah. And then eating habits. And I could totally see that because it only takes a couple times to where you eat shitty and then you turn up to class and you're getting your ass whooped and you're barely containing your guts. You think you're going to shit your pants. It's just fucking a terrible feeling and experience. And you're like, I will never do that again. Yeah. Because not only did I get punished physically, like I almost shit my pants in the process. Like never again. Yeah. And so you clean up your eating habits. Yep, for sure. That I mean, generally speaking, man, the I'd say the jujitsu community 
is a is a has better eating habits than the general public. Yes, better than just, the general. Just, just, we're just but, it's not, but it's not hard to be better than the general public. Right, right, right. But I'm just so I'm just saying though, it, it is an environment. Like I'll say, like because for mountain biking, like mountain biking is one of those sports. Like when you're hanging out and you're talking with people, like. You know, nutrition, eating well, it's still kind of like, whatever, man, we're going to drink a beer and go fucking eat pizza. And it's like, you know, you're almost kind of like, oh, you're taking this shit too seriously if you're worried about, you know, eating and, and uh, training and shit like that. And um, I would say, like, jujitsu is not like that. Like, the jujitsu culture in general tends to promote good eating habits and, you know, good like healthy lifestyle habits and stuff like that. So I would say for the most part. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that you take for granted because you're just from the jujitsu community. Like you don't realize like there are a lot of other groups. Like you can get into other sports where like encouraging good eating habits, it's not the social norm. And I think that that social norm has an impact on people beyond like what you're talking about. Like, yeah, you find out real quick, you don't want to eat McDonald's half an hour before going into class and you know if you're it's so anyways i think that there's uh, that's part of it too but i just i think the the jiu-jitsu culture in general because all of those things they, they you know uh perseverance um respect for others self-confidence Confidence. you know i would even throw in uh, i mean it kind of falls in the perseverance category but problem solving yeah yeah i guess you could that's just kind of breaking perseverance down yeah you know? Yeah, I'd say like all those things are, are uh, kind of hallmarks of the jujitsu community in general, and so it's uh, yeah. But it's why it's better. It's not just go do something because like if you just go to the the, the gym and lift weights, it's, you're not going to get that same. You're not going to get those same things. Aspects, right? It's not just being physically active. Sometimes it's you know the environment that you're putting yourself into matters just as much, if not more, than what you're actually doing. And, uh, so that's one of the things I've always enjoyed about the jujitsu community is that those things are more embraced. Whereas like, I'm kind of like a weirdo outsider in the mountain biking community because I approach training the way that I do. Like, it's kind of funny. The mountain bike community is like that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's gotten a lot better since, you know, when I first got in, but it's, it's definitely not, uh, people don't embrace the whole training and lifestyle aspect of it yeah the lifestyle of a, of a mountain biker is drinking beer eating pizza smoking weed like that's your lifestyle right it's kind of like a, a ski bum mm-hmm. type lifestyle and uh and then you're supposed to go perform on your bike and i like the ski bum lifestyle but i work out to kind of help mitigate the fucking side effects <laughs> Of that, hey, so I can't go pe- perform. Your, your liver is fucking running strong. Exactly, according, according to your pee stick. That's right. My pee stick says I'm good. My, mm-hmm. I got a little too much acidity in my blood. Told me to eat some cherries. My cherries? pH was off. Yeah, that helps you. Your pH was low. Your I think so. It's I need to alkalinize my blood. So yeah, I think that means that it's too acidic. Huh. So, it, uh, but everything else was fucking good, man. I'm ten on everything else, but my. I'm, Acidic for some reason. Maybe that's why your grip fighting's fucked up. Maybe. Maybe you need to Ooh, That is like that's half the reason, man. I didn't stick around for class last night. <laughs> the because the, the specific sparring, uh-huh. like specific sparring's great. Like I've been listening. Again, the Matt Burn podcast is awesome, man. I love listening because like Hinger and 
Keenan, man, they got such fucking deep, high-level insights into jujitsu. Like, it's fun listening to us, but we're fucking jackasses <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like, they actually know hey, what they're talking yourself. about. Okay. speak for yourself. That's right. You got a black belt, man. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing still. My apologies. <laughs> but, uh, um, but anyways, Keenan was talking about how, you know, drilling, he doesn't think drilling really is valuable you got to drill enough to kind of get the move but then the real gold comes from specific sparring because you want live randomized reactions from people so that you can start to develop real answers to the problems that you're going to solve as opposed to like having someone sitting there and just kind of like going going through the motions and letting you have it a little bit not really resisting and and stuff and so but uh man the downside with that is it's kind of like doing isolation movements in the gym right like because now you're kind of isolating certain movements and and grip things like for me it became highlighted when jamie was in town because we were doing some uh some specific sparring from um ashigurami single leg x which is great i love that position but like we were doing like three minute rounds and if you got out of it you had to go right back in and and so you're you're spending a shit ton of time in this one position that you don't really usually spend that much time in in a matter of a role and so there's specific muscles there's specific movements that you're using over and over and over again just get gassed and and like yeah i woke up the next day and i like do i had like pain in my hip and stuff that i have not like had in a while and it took me a while to realize like Oh, I just really overtrained those areas for that movement. Yeah, that, that that weird external rotation. Yes, coupled with the clamp. Yeah, you know, and then you're so you're putting a lot of push pull here as you're externally rotating. Yeah, it's not something you do repetitively. No, no, no. Because you know, when you hit that in a roll, it's like a sweep path. Right. So it's, it's kind of you don't spend a ton of time there. You're not resetting back there. No. Resetting back there. No, 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 man. So yeah, I went with I had CrossFit Josh, Big Chris, and fucking Callum. Those were my three dudes, right? And uh, so I'm, and that's why I won. I wanted to work hard. But I realized, like, oh shit, like I really kind of overtrained those muscles. And like, since I've been really getting into the grip thing, like my grip is smoked toast. Yeah. And I was just sitting there, like, dude, like a bunch of specific fighting from Spider Guard and Leg Lasso. I was like, I'm not going to have any grip to go in tonight. I want to go in and like do open mat tonight. So, um, yeah, the, the specific sparring is we've talked about is, is super valuable, but like everything else, there's a dark side to it. You can do too much, and you got to kind of keep that in mind um, when you're doing it. So. Yeah, we've talked about it before. Yeah, but I believe specific training is super important, and drilling is really important too. I mean, you got you can couple them because when you're trying to learn a new move, right? You you gotta have a period to where you just have a body and you're practicing on it. Yep. You get the mechanics get down, the gross movements you down. Get the big, you get, yeah, you get the big gross motor movements down. And then, okay, I got an idea what this will look like. Let's add some resistance to it. So that's where the specific training comes in. If you if you try to just go right to specific training before you actually try to drill it, like you don't even know how you should be moving your body, what right. positions, like it's. You gotta have a little of both. Yeah. Yeah, but specific training's big. Yeah. I almost think we don't do it enough. I I really think we need to yeah. do it more. I'm 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 thinking so too. I'm thinking that uh, like the Wednesday classes when I'm the beginners classes, I'm gonna start doing it, getting right. it in. Yeah, getting like ten minutes of some specific training there at the end because it, it's the yeah, it's the best. You're getting your your cardio, you're getting your strength training. 
you're getting your live randomized reactions. Like that's how you learn, right? Like that your body needs those, your brain needs those uh, randomized reactions to really start to get a feel for how to do the moves in a live setting. So yeah, I agree, man. I think we could, uh, we could do more of it. It just, the thing is though, is it has to be done. Structured. Right. And right. Yeah. Right. Just, just throwing a shit ton of at people randomly isn't necessarily the right way to do so it. You gotta have intention. Yeah, have intention with it. So, um, and then remember your audience. If they're forty three years old, they might not be able to hold up to as much as your fucking thirty year old world champion <laughs> body can. <laughs> I love that dude. Jamie's a funny guy. But uh, yeah, man, you. Uh, I wonder what it's like to fucking have that body for jujitsu. <laughs> You'll always be wondering. You'll always be wondering. You'll never know the answer to that. All right, so I got one more interesting study I came across. Okay. It's called the Neuromuscular Responses to Simulated BJJ Fights. Fancy way of looking at, they measured bench press throw and like a, a counter movement um, vertical jump, right? Like so basically allowing you to go from high to low and then jump mm-hmm. so you get a counter movement in it versus just like, a static, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, vertical jump. So they, they just they uh, um, distinguish between those two in the literature. I mean, I'm fucking smart. Yeah, um, big words here. Big words. Distinguished in literature. That's yeah. right. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so that's what they were testing. They were looking for power, kind of testing the neuromuscular response which, or uh, fatigue, which is usually a power. And so they had uh, a warm-up and then three five-minute um, matches with, uh, I forget what the rest was in between, but they were testing it uh, to see if there was a decrease in their power um, post-match. So what do you think? So if if you're doing a a vertical jump and you're doing a bench press throw, do you think that that would, your performance would decrease after a hard round of jujitsu? I think after like the first round, or two, maybe not decrease because you warmed up, you're feeling good, blood's flowing. You start getting like three, four rounds. I think it's going to start decreasing. That's if I had to. That's is, your, that, is that an that's option? Can, can yeah, no, nah, man. Yeah, that, that's how I would okay. structure my answer. Yeah, yeah. Well, what they found was that it uh, it didn't um, decrease at, at all. all. <laughs> yeah. The but what was interesting is that. Um, they found that isometric strength decreases significantly. I can see that. Yeah, I mean, totally. I, I can see that. Yeah. Because you can still get a short burst, like, oh, explode something. Yep. Yeah, but if to press and hold something mm-hmm. after you are... Isometric grip strength. Yeah, imagine after, yeah, now let's touch your grip strength. Yeah, it's... So, but again, it's, it's like, one, how are, the test is important, right? And so, and then, like, it's just kind of interesting that, you know, the... To know that, like, yeah, it's not really power, right? Like, you're you don't need to really work on power endurance as a jujitsu athlete because, like, power is not really affected by the type of of what you're doing, and so, but your isometric strength it's goes important. down is important, and so if you're not doing isometric training to address that, aka ramping isometrics, you're missing something. You're not really addressing the key component to uh, performance in jiu-jitsu so but again you look at like how a lot of jiu-jitsu athletes train and a lot of movement-based stuff a lot of like 
you know, box jumps and power cleans and kettlebell swings and snatches and all these things that are training power and power endurance, but uh, very little isometric um, emphasis in their program. So hmm. it's a good study. It seemed to be backwards. There was some other interesting stuff. Um, lactic acid concentration didn't decrease testing performances. So basically after you get done, they test your lactic acid. And again, the, you can probably guess your lactic acid levels are higher. Pretty high. Yep. Pretty high when you're done compared to before you start, after a match, your lactic acid levels are going to be elevated. But that didn't decrease power performance. So elevated, you know what I mean? But it's interesting because people assume that lactic acid, and you know, hopefully by this point, although I did have an email the other day of somebody telling me that the lactic acid in their vastus medialis was why their, uh, their, their knee was sore like a week after riding. You know, I mean, you still have people who think like the lactic acid is stored in the muscle for an extended period of time, and that's what causes soreness. It's fucking wild, right? Like, you still have people that think that, but that's what we all thought, right? We came up, you thought that. That's what we were told. Lactic acid causes muscle soreness. It gets caught in the muscles, and so you gotta you know, get that out. Gotta get that lactic acid out of there. If you can keep lactic acid from building up, it's gonna keep your performance levels high. You know, lactic acid, and so now it's like. Well, lactic acid and the hydrogen ions cause the burn and, and there's still like this, you know, does lactic acid cause fatigue? And now they're actually thinking that lactic acid and the hydrogen ions actually create a protective effect that help prevent fatigue in the muscle. And so that's why you can see high lactic acid levels, but not see a decrease in power. I can see the rationale there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting how it's like going... Coming around, uh, coming around. yeah, we're like lactic acid's actually your friend, not the enemy, not the enemy. And so, if you're trying to train to, you know, you, you want to, it definitely when it's a sign that you've gone anaerobic, and so it's kind of a double edged sword. Like, you do definitely want to try to, the more, the, the higher power output you can produce aerobically, the better. I mean, that's always your most efficient way to produce power, but when you do go anaerobic training your body to efficiently deal with lactic acid is you know really the key it's not like trying to avoid it and so but that's where like you know um negative rest to work ratios like you know if you're doing uh 10 seconds on and a minute rest you're getting like full rest you're not really you know lactic acids you know clearing out you're not really building up that much but if you're doing like 40 seconds on with 20 seconds rest you're just really you know, flooding the body with lactic acid and forcing it to continue to work in that environment. You know, that's how you're teaching it how to, to better deal with and make use of the lactic acid. So it's juggling the two that you want. But it's not just like, you, you, you don't want to just train your body to go lactic, to go anaerobic right off the bat. And so if, you're, if you think that um, cardio training for you know, jujitsu or really MMA or any, you know, uh, combat sport, any sport really is all about intervals and it's just going anaerobic and teaching your body to, to, to just be really efficient anaerobically. You're, you're fucking yourself. You're missing the boat. It's like, you want to have as big a aerobic engine as you can and have it as efficient anaerobic engine as you can. And those are the two things together that give you what you want. It's not one or the other. So it's uh anyways hmm. i think that's one of the better studies both of them are pretty good 
Yeah. Out of all the bro, bro signs you've uh, dropped on us the past few weeks. Nice. I like those too. And uh, last little tidbit from that study, mm-hmm. they were saying that um, the power they had observed power decreases in wrestlers going through a similar uh, test. But one of the, one, man, wrestling and jujitsu, like the fucking lower body power needed for wrestling versus jujitsu, I, I would say it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably a much higher degree of lower body power being used during a wrestling match. So you can see where some fatigue would come from that. But they also said that they think that the weight loss, because most wrestlers are going through a weight loss, and they think that the weight loss coupled with the stress of competition is what leads to the decrease in uh, power post match. Um, I can definitely see that, you know, because the, the weight cut is so taxing on your system. Yeah. And then, yeah, wrestling, you know, just as a sport, is a fast paced, intense two minute, three minute round, you know, where it's, it's fast, it's hard, it's boom, it's not like jiu jitsu, it's yeah. a different animal. So. And then weight cut beforehand is not good for you either. Yeah, I just thought that was kind of a good cautionary tale. You know, we've talked about it a bunch, like being being uh, careful with your weight cuts, you know, really like deciding if you even need to do a weight cut in the first place is do I need to clean up my eating habits so I'm not having to drop 10 pounds of fat before a tournament and then do that. Um, but yeah, man, you, you trying to drop, you know, 10, 15 pounds, um, it, it's bad for your performance. It's, it's like, yeah, it's a fine line. Yeah, you may get into a lower weight class, but your performance will be affected. It's going to suffer. It, it's it's going to be suffer. affected, man. Yeah. Yep. So, anyways, there you go. That's good, man. That was my bro science for the day. I like it. Thanks. That wasn't too bad of an episode. I think we dropped some knowledge on our fucking listeners. Yeah, I think so. I don't know what the theme was. I don't know either. But. Read. Read. Don't be a fucking dummy. Don't be a dummy. Read. Know your history. Yeah. Fucking alternate your Reassess. Reassess. That's it, man. Solve the right problems. Maybe. Yeah, maybe you are solving the right problem. But you should always be reassessing asking. and asking, am I moving in the right direction? So instead of just assuming that you are. So we'll leave it on that. Leave it on that. Cool. Cool. See you. See you. Thank you for listening to the Grumpy Guy BJJ podcast. Thank you all for listening. You can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help and will allow us to keep putting out episodes. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas, hit us up at grumpyguybjj at gmail.com. Also, go to our website, grumpyguybjj.com, and get signed up for podcast updates and get our free BJJ Improvement Starter Kit. That's it for now. So get on the mat, train hard, and talk to you all next week. Doggy school, foggy cool, got a froggy outside Molly dude. Now they're calling Daisy Duke, hanging by the lace of their shoes. No trace of the tools, shaped in your face, fuck the rules, snooze you lose. One eye always open, it times two, no clue, but soon a brief monsoon might give you a view to choose. Stay tuned, include, won't conclude. To the end is near, beware there's consequences, but what you do to me, demon. The devil of many levels, I keep on beating For several of them rebels Me, myself, he died Me, myself, he died